Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio, live on Wednesday, May 27th, Tet Iyar Tafshin Ein He. We are a few days as the date tells us, no, not Tet Iyar, Tet Sivan, I gotta update my uh, calendar. Tet Sivan Tafshin Ein He, we're a few days after the holiday of Shavuot, and Be'ezat Hashem, just like we started a new year of Torah, as Hazal tells us in Masechet Berachot, the Gemara says over there, that Rosh... Hashanah is not only in the year in the month of Tishrei, but there's also a Rosh Hashanah and the holiday of Shabbat. And the Gemara says it's a Rosh Hashanah leperot ha'ilan. It's a Rosh Hashanah. It's a Rosh Hashanah. It's a special Rosh Hashanah. So it's a new year of Torah, and we are happy and excited to start a new year of Torah here on Jeru with Halachot. We'll begin our new year of Torah with. The halachot of Mukseh. But before we get to Mukseh, we have a lot of other things to speak about, or first, really, announcements and then and, and to bring it up before we begin. First of all, today's class is Lerfu'ashilema of Malka Hayab Bat Batsheva. Rabotai, if you are listening, make sure that you write this name down and pray for this girl, a young girl, and she needs a Lerfu'ashilema from a very Khashba family, family of Rabbanim. Malka Hayab Bat Batsheva, keep her in your. Tefilot, and we should hear Bisrot about very soon. It's also Lahat, the anonymous sponsor as well. The numbers to the station, as we always introduce, somebody told me, hey, how come you know, how come you always say the same thing? Is it recording? I said, no, it's actually, this is what we got to do. The, uh, people should know how to listen and where to continue listening to us. You can listen to us, first of all, live on jrootradio.com. There you can also watch live streaming. Today we have live streaming, jrootradio.com. The number to the station... 718-683-5858. That's the number to call into the station. Unfortunately, we will not be taking phone calls in the middle of the class because I don't believe there should be anything to ask on what we're speaking about. Today is going to be more of an introduction to many, many halakhot, as we'll see. But we will be here after the class at 3 p.m. for another 10, 15 minutes. If anybody has questions, you could call then. If you would like to ask a question and you would like us to answer in the middle of the class, the best way to do so is by texting. And we ask again, please try to keep it on the subject. If it is on the subject, through the text, we'll answer. If it's not, we hope to answer you right immediately after the class. The number to text in your question is 347-927-8398. We forgot one thing, and that is, if you would like to listen to JRoot Radio on the phone, you could call up 712-432-4217. Or 718-506-9099. Also, if you could download the app, and that's really the best way to listen to uh, to the JRoot, even when you're a little further away from the neighborhood. I know many people told me that, you know, Baruch Hashem, wherever they go, JRoot is with them. And that's because of the app on the smartphone, JRoot Radio Pro app. Okay, with that introduction, we come back now to our class. We're a few days after Shavuot, so before we begin, really today's class, we will begin to talk about the halachot of Mukseh. Halachot of Mukseh are really very, very big and complicated, as you'll see. And we hope to give it in small little bites so we're able to chew it. And in order to do so, we'll have to go very slowly... And a lot of things I'm telling you right now may sound repetitious. It's really not, but I will emphasize things over and over again to clarify. We once gave a class 
an introduction, I believe, to Chot Akum, Chot Amiral Akum, and I was asked that I should give more examples and repeat things over and over again. And I hope I don't bore anybody, but we'll try to make it as clear as we can. Before we get to the Halachot, I want to share with you two ideas about what we just you know, went through. We just came through, we just finished the holiday of Shavuot, and really Shavuot, as the name implies, the holiday of Shavuot really means, Shavuot means weeks. Implies the holiday of the weeks, it's the counting of the Omer. The holiday of Shavuot really began from the second day of Pesach. And that's when we first started counting the Omer. And therefore, we'll begin really with an idea from the beginning of Sefirat HaOmer, going into another idea in, on, the hal, sub, on the holiday of Shavuot. Both are beautiful ideas, and I believe they're, they'll be, they're, they're good in general, but they'll be very good to introduce the subject that we want to speak about today. Let's start with the Torah in Parashat Emor. Torah says in Parashat Emor, You have to count for yourselves from the day after Shabbat, and the Torah goes on to tell us you have to count seven weeks, which equal up to about 50 days. That's what the Torah says, and we know that that's referring to the Mizvah of counting the Omer. We count 49 days, which are seven full weeks of the Omer, and then afterwards we celebrate the holiday of Shavuot. Now, the Torah doesn't give us a date, as it does by all the other holidays. By Svirat HaOmer, the Torah tells us, The day after Shabbat. Unlike the other holidays like Pesach, or Sukkot, or Rosh Hashanah, or Yom Kippur, where the Torah tells us, on the first of the month, or on the 15th of the month, and so on. Over here the Torah says, From the day after Shabbat. Simply, you should look at this pasuk and say, okay, which Shabbat is it referring to? Shabbat meaning Saturday. Which Shabbat are you referring to that I should start counting seven weeks? Hachamim come and tell us, really Shabbat over here does not mean the seventh day of the week as we know as Shabbat, Saturday. Rather, this Shabbat over here is referring to the holiday of Pesach. The first day of Yom Tov is also called Shabbat. And therefore, when the Torah says, It doesn't mean you should count from the day after Shabbat. Rather, you should count from the day after Pesach. From the 16th of Nisan, because Pesach is on the 15th. From the 16th of Nisan, we begin to count seven weeks. Good? That's a simple meaning. Now, Hakamim tell us that there was actually debate about this, uh, this, uh, the explanation of this pasuk. The debate was not amongst the Jewish people. I mean, it was the Jewish people, but these were Tzedokim. These are people who, heretics, did not believe in the Torah Shabbat al These are people who felt that you could interpret the Torah as you wish, the way you understand it. You're not bound to the way the Torah Shabbat al explains it. You could explain it as you wish. So the famous example of which says by tzitzit, you take a tzitzit and hang it up in your room and look at it. That's how they understood Ritemoto. And if you understood it a different way, then go ahead, interpret it as you wish, and you'll keep it as you wish. These were the tzedokim. Tzedokim debated with the rabbis, and they argued, and they said, no, what are you, why are you guys changing the words? It says, The Torah clearly tells you, count from the day after Shabbat, which means on the Sunday. Happens to be this year it worked out on a Sunday. But in general, Sunday, it doesn't make a difference. Whenever it is, whenever Pesach is, the next following Sunday, whether it's the third day of Pesach, whether it's the seventh day of Pesach, it doesn't make a difference. You will count the seven weeks, you'll count Sfirat HaOmer, 
and then you will celebrate the holiday of Shavuot. And this was a debate. Now really, we know Torah Shabbat we have a Mesorah, we have a tradition from Hashem, from Moshe Rabbeinu, that tells us exactly what the meaning of the Pasuk is. But you can't help wonder, you know, at the end of the day, it's a good question. Why did the Torah change it from the norm? The Torah is not shy about saying dates. The Torah said dates by all the other holidays. So why when it comes to Sfirat Omer, the Torah all of a sudden changes from its norm? And instead of writing with Lachem Mahorata Pesah from the day after Pesah, it says Mahorata Shabbat. Why did the Torah change it? Why did it switch and refer to the holiday of Pesah as Shabbat, which it did not do anywhere else? That is the question. In order to answer this, we'll go to the Sefer Hinuch. Sefer Hinuch is a book that's attributed to the Ra'ah. And the Ra'ah and the Hinuch writes on this Mizvah Sfirat Omer. He writes reasons for all the mitzvah, but on this particular mitzvah, he writes the following. He says that this mitzvah, is our preparation for receiving the Torah. Hashem wanted us that we should anticipate the receiving of the Torah. Not only the generation that came out of Egypt, you know, the, the Jews that came out of Egypt. We're talking about every single year, we finish celebrating the day of our freedom. The next day, we already start counting, we're getting ready and excited to receive the Torah. This is why, according to the Hinuch, we count the, we have the Mizah of counting the Omer. So it comes out that really the first day of counting, which is the first day of the Omer, the 16th of Nisan, it's really the holiday, the, the first step that we take in coming to Sfirat Omer, in coming to receive the Torah. So although we see the Torah Shabbat 50 days later, the first step was taken the day after Pesach on the 16th of Nisan. Okay, what does that have to do with our answer? Let's come back to our answer. The question is, how come the Torah switched from Pesach, from instead of writing with Swatim Lachim Maharata Pesach, it says with Swatim Lachim Maharata Shabbat. If Shabbat really means Pesach, why did the Torah switch it? And the answer is that the Torah wants to teach us a very important lesson. And this is so vital that the whole Torah, receiving the Torah, from the beginning we have to know this. Before we receive the Torah, the first step that we take in order that we should receive the Torah, Torah comes and wants to teach us a lesson. What's that lesson? The lesson is that the Torah, the Torah that we know, the Hamsha Hamsha Torah, is not to be understood without the Torah Shabbat If it wasn't for the rabbis coming and telling us what the Torah means we do not understand anything in the Torah. Anything. The rabbis are the ones who will teach us and guide us exactly to what God wants of us from the Torah. And therefore, from the beginning, we have a tradition. Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, told us Shabbat here means a holiday. So, why did you switch it? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly what the Torah is telling you. I'm switching in to tell you, you won't understand it if you just read it simply. You'll need to go back to the rabbis, to the Torah Shabbat al that the Hazat should tell us what the meaning of the Torah is. As Hakamim tell us, if the rabbis tell you, your right hand is really your left hand, and your left hand is really your right hand. And you look at yourself, you say, well, I grew up my whole life, I know what my right, I know my left is. No, Hazal tell you this is the way it is, that's the way it is. Ah, oh, but I don't see it that way. Then we have a, a problem of understanding. It's not Hazal. And that's what the Torah wanted to teach us from the beginning. From the first step to coming to receive the Torah, the step that we're taking, we're starting to count to receive the Torah, 
No. No, we're not receiving the Torah right now without taking, understanding this important lesson. You have to know. The Torah, just reading the text alone, you won't understand. You need Hazal, you need the rabbis, Shebechol Dor Vador, the Gedolei Hador, to teach us what the Torah means and what Hashem wants of us. That's the first idea I wanted to share. And leads up to the second idea, which I heard from a colleague of mine, Rabbi Nassim Hasbani. He said a beautiful idea over Shabbat, and I want to share with everybody because, again, like I said beforehand, it's along the same theme that we just said beforehand, and it serves as a good introduction to the halachot of Mukseh, or an, and the subject that we speak about today. In Siman Taf Tzadi Dalit in Shohan Aruch, Maran writes over there that the holiday of Shabbat is 50 days after we count the Omer, as we just celebrated. The Megen Abraham has a question. Megen Abraham is a commentary on the Shohan Aruch. He asks the following question. He says, have a, when we look at Masechet Shabbat, Torah tells us, I mean, the Gemara tells us over there the whole story of what took place in the holiday, or, or excuse me, the story that took place in the desert when the Jewish people received the Torah. And there the Gemara says that Hakol Modim, that everybody agrees, that Torah was given on Shabbat. And the Psak Halacha, at the end of the day, we hold like Rabbi Yosef, who holds that that year when the Jewish people received the Torah, Rosh Chodesh Sivan was on Sunday. So comes again Abraham and asks the question: If Rosh Chodesh Sivan was on Sunday, the first day of the of of the month of Sivan was a Sunday. So you know, just do a little bit simple math. What date will be Shavuot? Shavuot that year when the Jewish people actually received the Torah was when Zayin. Zayin Besivan was on the seventh. Says again, Abraham, I have a big question. If the Torah was really given on the seventh of Sivan, why then do we celebrate the Torah on the sixth of Sivan? We always celebrate the holiday of Shabbat on the sixth of Sivan. Why all of a sudden now? This is the only holiday. Basically, we're commemorating an event that was on the wrong date. Pesach we came out on the fifteenth of Nisan. Suk- Sukkot has its own reason, but the other ones, the Torah tells us the holidays. Here, Shavuot, which is supposedly commemorating when the Torah was given, which is the seventh of Sivan, we're celebrating on the sixth. More than that, you have a derasha, you have the, the Gemara, famous Gemara says, The next Pasuk reads, Come, the rabbis, and tell us, tell us, Yom on the sixth day, Hashem came and gave an ultimatum to the world. And He told the Jewish people, If you receive the Torah, great. If you don't receive the Torah, if you don't wish to accept the Torah, to accept the book of laws I'm giving you, then, I'm going to finish the world. The whole world stood waiting for the Jewish people to make that choice. Do you want to accept the Torah or not accept the Torah? Hashem. You know, we're good, we're okay. The Jewish people says, nah, seven But what happened? One second, the Gemara says, yom on the sixth day. Yet, the Gemara tells us, no. They received the Torah on the seventh day because it was the seventh of Sivan that year. Those are two questions. The third question, Be'er brings it. There's a Gemara in Masech Pesachim who talks about a great rabbi, his name is Rabbi Yosef, who was... Well, the Gemara says about him in Masechet Sota, he was of the most humble of rabbis. Rabbi Yosef says, 
אילב דהיומה, כמה יוסף יקבל שוכה. On the holiday of Shavuot, this Rabbi Yosef would say, he would make a special meal and he would say, if it had, had it not been for this day, how many Yosefs are there in the market? So basically in uh, our slang language, we say, how many Joe Shmoes are there, are, are, there, are, are there in the market? It's because of this day. Beretev asks, what does Rabbi Yosef mean over here? What is he saying it for? What does it say? How many Yosefs? Aren't you a humble person? What are you bragging about yourself? That you're an important person now because of this day? And also, if this day is referring to Shabuot, why are you saying, Say, If it wasn't for the sake of the holiday of Shabuot, Yosef Yosefs would be in the market. What is the meaning over here of Rabbi Yosef? So in order to explain, to explain and to answer all these questions, the chat is as follows. The explanation is as follows. The holiday of, the, excuse me, the event of receiving the Torah actually took place, yes, like the Gemara tells us, on the 7th of, Nis- of Sivan. But the Torah tells us we celebrate on the 6th of Sivan. Why are we not celebrating the same day? Because the real holiday is supposed to be on the 6th of Sivan. Why did that year, why, how come they waited an extra day? Moshe Rabbeinu felt that the Jewish people were not ready yet, and therefore they needed another Another day to be able to receive the Torah. So the Gemara says, Moshe Hosif Yom Echad Medato. Moshe from his, no, Hashem didn't tell him. Moshe on his own felt, you know what? We're not ready yet. We need another day. So he delayed the whole giving of the Torah one more day till it was Shabbat. How could Moshe do such a thing? The holiday is the sixth. Hashem wants it to be on the sixth. How could you push it? And the answer is exactly, precisely, this is the answer. The Gdolei Ador, Hazal, which Moshe represented in that generation, as we know, Gemara tells us many times that the rabbis of the Gemara, the leaders of the generation are referred to as Moshe because they were Gdolei Ador. The rabbis of, the, of that generation, Moshe Rabbeinu, felt that we needed to be pushed one day. And therefore the Torah gave the authority and the power to the leaders, to the Gdolei Israel. To be able to decide how to apply the Torah. An example of this is a famous Pasuk which says, by Makot. And the simple reading of the Pasuk means that when you come to give lashes to a person, you give him 40 lashes. The Gemara Makot says, Look how great the rabbis are. The rabbis came and said, No, it doesn't mean 40, it means 39. It means up to 40. Where'd you get that from? It says, Arba'im. It doesn't say up to 40. No, that's exactly what the Gemara means. It means up to 40. And not only that, if a halakha needs to be this, the rabbis of the generation have the authority and the power from Hashem to be able to decide the halakha. This is why Rabbi Yosef comes and says, Ilav dehayoma. He's not referring to over here the day of Shabbat. He's referring to that extra day that Moshe Rabbeinu added on his own. If it wasn't for this extra day that Moshe Rabbeinu added on his own, which showed us how great the power of the rabbis are, mean to say, what's the difference between a rabbi and a professor? A professor looks in a textbook, he comes to class, he writes his material on the board, and he teaches it over. So are the rabbis the same power? And if so, how come every rabbi is not out there teaching Torah? Why are they sitting there kolel learning all day? Nah, that's not the, no. Rabbis are powerful even if they don't teach Torah. Of course, the rabbis have the responsibility to make sure that, the, that the, we as a nation should learn Torah. 
And they do that through their sefarim, through their books, through their lectures, and through their classes. But the, pri- but the rabbi's power was given from the Torah to be able to decide how the Torah should be applicable. Moshe Rabbeinu in his generation felt you could push it over one day, so we pushed it over one day. Hazal are the ones who decide exactly how we should keep the Torah. And that's what Rabbi Yosef was saying. Yes, the power of the Hayyoma that Moshe Rabbeinu pushed, which Hashem also wants, is exactly what makes me as not a regular Yosef. I'm not just Professor Joe. I'm rather Rav Yosef, who has that power. And to prove this, we have a Gemara in Masechet Baba Metzi'ah, where there was a debate between the rabbis and Rabbi Al-Azhar. And Rabbi Al-Azhar kept on, Rabbi Eliezer, excuse me, kept on proving his way from all sorts of miracles. Till the end, he says, if the halakha is like me, let a heavenly voice come out and say halakha is like me. If a voice came out from Shemayim, he says, leave him alone already. Halakha is like him. Rabban Gamliel, who was the leader of the rabbis, gets up and he says, we don't care what the Bat Kol says. Once the Torah was given, we have the authority to be able to rule as we see it fit. And has Torah told us, and over here we have a mahlokit. The majority holds the halakha is this way, and this Rabbi Eliezer is holding the halakha the other way. We go with what, the, what we decided over here. Even if a heavenly voice will come out. And that's exactly what Hashem wants. And that's exactly why Hazar write that story down. But, as a word of caution, this doesn't mean you can just put on a jacket and a nice hand and say, I'm a rabbi, I can do whatever I want, I can interpret the Torah as I want. No, 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 no. that's called Megaleh Panim Torah. yeah, that's a very severe Esur. We're talking about Gedolei Israel. we're talking about people who understand the whole Torah and they are in the position as Gedolei Israel to rule on cases in each generation as they see it fit to that generation. Nobody can come and contradict Hazal and Certainly, we can't come and switch the Torah as we wish. Hazal told us what the meanings are, what the Torah means, and the rabbis of each generation have the responsibility, the Gedolei Yisrael, to tell us and direct us as we should go. So we have to be very careful when we speak about rabbis, we speak about Gedolei Yisrael and say, who are they to make this Asur and take this Asur? We have to be very careful who we're speaking about, and we have to speak with tremendous amount of respect and awe of our Gedolim, who have been given the power by Hashem to apply the Torah and all the halakhot as they see it fit. And with that, we'll move on now to our subject, our halakha subject, and that is the halakhot of mukseh. Like we said beforehand, the halakhot of mukseh, you open up every book. And you know, this is a class on the Benish High. And we usually work from the Benish High. We're not going to get to the Benish High today because we have a lot more to speak about. As an introduction, the Benish High and almost all the Aharonim bring the same words. When they start to speak about Mukseh, they always introduce it with the premise. Even the Beit Yosef, the Beit Yosef, before he comes to talk about Mukseh, he gives a whole introduction before he comments on the tour. And he says, The halachot of Mukseh are long, they're difficult, they're complicated. And therefore, when we come to these halachot, we have to, our goal really should be now. I'm, I'm not expecting that, you know, from the hour of weed that we give on, 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 on air, that we should be able, that everybody should come out as an expert in lachot. Really, the halakhot are here to clarify and to really apply these laws in a practical way. But for the halakhot of mukseh, it's impossible to discuss every situation. Why? Because as we'll soon see what mukseh is, it's applicable in every area. So therefore, 
it, it's impossible to really just go through every item in the world and every item that will be and to classify it, what kind of mukse and how you're allowed to move it. Therefore, our goal is to understand the categories of mukse and that we should train ourselves when hopefully when we learn the subject well, how that we should go about and categorize what we see around us, what is mukse and what type of mukse is, is it and how I could handle it on Shabbat. These halachot you should know are, although they're complicated a little bit, but when you get a clarity on it and you understand what you saw and what you're saying, what you're talking about, they're the most. They're very, very interesting. You know, there's a concept called osek b'torah, and the Ashkenazim they say that in the berachah every morning. We say In any case, la'asok means to be constantly involved in learning Torah. Many of us learn Torah, Baruch Hashem. Those who learn, they may learn it very, very well. But there's a difference between osek and between learning. Learning, you can learn the material, you know, you step away from the book, you step away from the lecture, and you're on your own afterwards, whether you think about it later on or not, it's a different story. Osek means to be completely involved in what you have studied, to see what you've studied everywhere you look. That's called Osek Batorah. Once I had a beautiful idea of how a person can make Osek Batorah on a practical level. And the person was talking to a group of Baalei Teshuvah, and he says, you know, you always have to be thinking about Torah. You always have to think of, oh, you know, something that I learned, see how you can apply it. He says, even going to watch a baseball game. I know it's a baseball season now. So let's say you're watching a baseball game. Now, of course, you're not watching on Shabbat. You're watching during a weekday. But okay, so you're relaxing. You have, uh, uh, I guess, almost 100% kosher entertainment. There's no commercials. We're talking about just a regular baseball game. And now the person's stepping up to the bat. He swings and the ball is hit out of the park. So you just learn about Chot Shabbat, you learn about Hotza'ah. Hotza'ah means carrying from Rishuta Yahid to Rishuta Rabbim. So now, okay, let's see, does this apply over here to Hotza'ah? Is the guy who just batted, he swung the bat. Now the ball went all the way out. Is that called Hotza'ah or not? It's a cute idea and how to take what you learned and apply it wherever you are, to see it in wherever you are. Anybody who knows, if you're in business or if you're in a certain business or if you're involved in a certain thing, you start to see it everywhere. If you're looking to buy a car, all of a sudden you start to notice every car. You'll notice if it's a V4, it's a V6, or V8, or it doesn't have a V at all, you know? You'll, you'll look at everywhere, you, everywhere that you, you see, everything that you see, you'll start to see what you think about. That's the goal of Osek Torah. When Mukseh, on Shabbat, the when you have them well, it's amazing how you'll be constantly Osek Torah. Why? Because Mukseh means to stay away from handling certain items that Hakamim restricted us from handling. And therefore, you're constantly on the lookout to see if something is mukseh, if you could touch it, you could not touch it, could you handle it, could you not handle it, could you move on, could you shake it. All these halakhot will be constantly on your mind because in order to keep the laws of mukseh, you have to constantly think about it. So the beauty of these halakhot is that it's not just learning it, but you'll be able to actually live it and apply these halakhot Constantly. Here is the way we are going to approach these halakhot in our class. Number one is, we'd like to first give a background defining what is mukseh, reasons of mukseh, and reasons for gizrat of hakamim in general. Next, we'd like to categorize the mukseh and a short introduction to their rules. Then we 
would like to go ahead and explain how to categorize muksay, how we should know something where, you know, let's say we look at an item, how do we know there's a cell phone, is it considered this type of muksay or a different type of muksay? And then go through cer- certain examples that are very, very, very common that every, every one of us will come across. And then finally, we'll go through the Benish High. After we learned it, you know, I call that the first screening, and then we go through the Benish High. We take what we learned and we start applying it, and we see how the Benish High comes out in Psakalacha. Categorizing the Muqseh and the laws of Muqseh itself are two separate things. To categorize what category, that means what item, where the item falls or under which category of Muqseh is one thing by itself. And the laws of actually muqseh, actual Muqseh is something else. So therefore, we need the Benish High. We need to go through the Benish High to be, to, to be able to understand all these halakhot. Let's begin now directly with Muqseh. What is Muqseh? Muqseh simply comes, the shortish, the root word of the... Of mukseh is the word kets. Kets means something at the end. Like Daniel was told by the Malach, Lech hayamim. Go to the end. Mukseh means these are items that Hazal told us. You put it at the end, you put it aside. You can't handle it on Shabbat or on Yom Tov or on the holidays. That is the idea. That is the definition of the word mukseh. Now, you have to know before we start anything, mukseh has a few different categories. Not all mukseh is created equal. Just like all people are created equal, that's there what they say. No. All mukseh is not created equal. There are different types of mukseh. So although somebody will tell you that's mukseh, the simple person will say, oh, oh, okay, stay away from it and you can't touch it at all. For a person who's learned, a person who learns a little bit about mukseh will see that one second. What type of mukseh is it? And based on the type, you'll know exactly how and when to handle it or to not handle it. So therefore, you have to wait. We have to wait to see till we categorize these muksa out. So we move on now to the second step of our class, and that is reasons of muksa, background to the muksa. I would like to go, you know, divert a little bit from the norm of what we do. Usually I speak everything outside. I only read the Benish High inside, but I believe the following three halachot brought in Arucha Shohan, Semen Resh Mem Gimel, it's very, very important that we should read it inside because they'll teach us a lot about the Gzirot of Hachamim in general. Some of these words come from Braitot, some of them come from the Rambam, and then, and also the Ramban and other Rishonim, and he himself adds a little bit, you know, clarifies a little bit some of these halachot. So it's very, very important that we should learn these three things as a general introduction to all of Ilkhot Shabbat, especially things that are In the past, we've explained that you could break up pretty much the all of Ilkhot Shabbat into three categories. Number one is what we call Zachorit Yom Shabbat, the Mizvot Aseh, like Kiddush, Shalakat Nirot, the thing we are obligated to actively do, whether it's rabbinical or from the Torah, we have to go ahead and make kiddush. That's medoraita. We have to go ahead and light the candles. That's medera banan. We have to go ahead and bring delicious food for sake of Shabbat. Eat it on Shabbat. Pray on Shabbat. All those are medera banan, but still they are requesting. They're asking us to kum ase, get up and do something. Then there are melachot. The second topic category is Shamor at Yom Shabbat. We have to guard the Shabbat that we should not transgress any melachot. Stay away from putting on the light. Don't put on the fire. Don't pick up your cell phone. Right? Don't call this person. Don't be bored. All the melachot, the 39 melachot, as they're known, that's Shamor at Yom Shabbat. Stay away from melachot. 
And then there's things in between where the rabbis decreed, and we'll see now the reason why the rabbis decreed. That's, we already discussed some of them, like Amiyal Akum, what a person could tell a goy, what he cannot tell a goy on Shabbat. Now comes the Aruch HaShulchan, and he says the following, Da, Dilbad Lametet Melachot Gemurot, besides the 39 Melachot, that are mentioned in the Gemara, There are other things that are a command for us to sit down and not do, you know, to sit back and not be involved in them. They're also a surah Shabbat, if we would do them. And Hakamim based these gezerot on a pasuk, like it says in the Midrash, in Pashat Mishpatim, pasuk says, there's a pasuk that says, whatever I told you regarding Shabbat, you have to guard. Comes the Midrash and says, why are you telling me this? You already told me, So what I need another command to tell me, the Midrash says, you know why? I'll teach you why. When the Torah says, I only understand things are pure melacha. I can't do them on Shabbat. What about things are only forbidden because the rabbis told us not to do it? How do I know from the Torah I should not do it either? Whatever I told you, make sure you guard. That means whatever I told you, which is to listen to the rabbis, guard. This is one midrash. There's a second Midrash in Parashat Kitisan and Bechiltan. It says the following. The verse, the Pasuk says in the Torah, Make sure you guard my, my Shabbat. Again, the Torah says, the Gemara Midrash comes and says, Why in the world do you tell me again? It's another Pasuk. Why are you tell me guard my Shabbat? The, we already, you already told me, Lo taase kol melacha. Don't do melacha. So obviously, how am I going to get Shabbat by not doing melacha? Why do you have to say again, Tishmoru, guard my Shabbat? Comes the Gemara and says the same idea. Melacha teaches me I can do melacha. How do I know even things that are Shabbat, even things that the rabbis decreed? Tamud Lomar et Shabbatotai. Lehabi devarim shem Shabbat says the Midrash to include even things that the rabbis commanded us to refrain from. Also, we have to keep them. This is one halakha. And now, this is a midrash, right? That's in times of Hazal. Who says we rule this way? So we move on now to the Rambam. The Rambam is found in Hilchot Shabbat, first halakha in Perich of Aleph. And he writes the following. Ne'emar batorah tishbot. tishbot. On the seventh day, you rest. What in the world does rest mean? You already told me lo melacha. Right? Which means you cannot do melacha. So what in the world do you mean when you say rest? It's two different things. Melachah and descend. These are the 39 things. Don't separate things. Don't carry outside. Don't put on the fire. Don't smoke a cigarette. Beseder. What in the world does Tishbot mean? Says Rambam, The Torah is coming to teach us Tishbot, even things that are not Melachah. One is commanded to rest on Shabbat from doing them. And says the Rambam, these are the words of Rambam in the Halakha, in his book of Halakha, it's not a philosophical thing. He says, There are many things that the Hakamim forbade us to do on Shabbat as a result of this Pasuk, which says, Tishbot. Now, comes the Aruch Shahan, he says, You don't have to go so far, the Rambam, or the words of the Hazal. We go even further, earlier than that. 
There was a prophet in the times of Hezekiah Melech. His, he became the father of Hezekiah Melech. His name was Yeshayahu. Yeshayahu Perek Nunhet Pasuk Yud Gimel. It's famous words that we say every single Shabbat when we say Kiddush. Im If you shall, your feet, you mean to say, your walk, your steps on Shabbat. If you should rest from the way you walk on Shabbat. Also from doing your wishes on my holy day. And you shall honor Shabbat. How do you honor it? From the way. Of you, the way you want to do your things, looking to find what you desire with the berdabar. What do you see from here? The the pasuk, the navi, the prophet warned us about things that we have to rest from. It didn't say don't do melacha. It says be careful how you speak, which we spoke about. You know that's called amir laakum. What you tell the goy, you cannot tell the goy. We spoke about how what you're allowed to read on Shabbat, what you're not allowed to read on Shabbat. All this is is what navi warned us about. Also, we have another prophet, his name is Nehemiah. Nehemiah bin Hakaliyah, who lived in the times of the second Beit HaMikdash. He was he's the one who helped rebuild the second commonwealth. And he says, when he saw that the Jewish people were buying things on Shabbat. Now, when the Torah does say you can't buy, show me one place in the Torah that says you can't buy on Shabbat. Right? It doesn't say it. But when he saw the Jewish people buying on Shabbat, he says, I started fighting with the inhabitants of Yehuda, with the leaders of, of Yehuda, I mean to say the people who were already in Israel. What are you guys doing? What's this evil thing that you're doing? You're Mahalel Shabbat. What do you see from here? You see from here, even purchasing something, the prophet is calling it Hilul Shabbat. So, oh, what happened? I thought it's rabbinical. So you see, it's not just rabbinical. The Nevi'im, Yeshayahu, Nehemiah, already were talking. That's called Hilul Shabbat. And here is the Makeba Patish. Here is the, you know, the, fire, the, the final line. Listen to what the Ridbar writes in the name of Ramban, of Moshe bin Nachman, who lived in the 1200s, one of the earlier Rishonim. He says, Although we just explained that the rabbis told us how to stay away, to refrain from many things on Shabbat, and we call that Shabbat, we have to be familiar with this, with this terminology. Shabbat means something that the rabbis decreed that we should rest, what we should not do on Shabbat. Like in the, in the past we said, Amir al-Akum Shabbat. To tell a goy, to command a goy to do something for you that you cannot do on Shabbat, is Shabbat, is Asumat al-Banan. He says, although we know that these are things that the rabbis decreed on, we have a Kabbalah, we have a tradition. You know what tradition means? Like Ramban says, that means we have a tradition he has from his rabbi and his rabbi and his rabbi all the way back to Moshe Rabbin. We have a tradition that the things that are Asur because of Shabbat are not the, like the regular Isurei de Rabbanan. Elahem ke Torah. If something in the, is in the category of Shabbat, it's a high level than the Rebbanan. We just learned a new level now. We understood this. Things are Sumna Torah, like Melacha. And things are the Rebbanan. Gezerot. Gezerot. Now, we're learning that when it's Shabbat, when it's something that is Asur because of Shabbat, it's not the Rebbanan. It's rather Ke Torah. And he brings a proof. If you don't say that's Asumna Torah, when a person you know, has to do what the rabbi said over here, we're going to say, you're only asur to do the 39 melachot only. 
אבל משא ומתן מותר. ואני אתן לי, ביזנס זה מותר על שבת. ביזנס זה מותר מן התורה, there's no problem, even the Torah will allow you to buy, even the Torah will allow you to buy and sell. Then, וכי לזה יקרא יום מנוחה ושביתה? So why in the world does the Torah, why does Hashem refer to יום שבת as the day of rest? Yes, it is a day that God rested, 100%, nobody's taking that away. But again, the Torah is also talking to us, it has to be a day of יום מנוחה. The prophets called it יום מנוחה. How can this be a יום מנוחה ושביתה שכל אחד יעסוק במסחרו וישב בחנות ויקנה ממכור? How can you tell me, says the Ramban, that this is considered a day of rest where everybody is sitting in his store and buying and selling? That's called a day of rest. And if you do say that, you're very weird. This is very strange if you explain it that way. The main thing over here, the, the explanation here is, So one second, so what's the difference? You tell me everything is a Torah. So what's the difference with what a rabbi's decreed and what the Torah made it asur? Everything is a Sumna Torah. So, no, no, no. There is a difference. The 39 melachot, what's actually melacha? Then the punishment for it, when we had it at Sanhedrin, would be sekila, execution. However, what the things are asur because the rabbis told you this is called shebut, tishbot, that's not hayab sekila, but isuran isur gamur ke isur Torah. However, they are asur as if you're, you're doing isur from the Torah. Rabbi Tai, these are not my words, these are the words of the Ramban, these are the words of Arukha Shohan, who lived in the late 1800s, writes, I read you word for word. In summary, we could summarize it in one line as the Magid Mishneh writes. You know, we just quoted the Ramban beforehand, on Perikhaf Aleph, where he writes that the Torah commands Tishbot, and you have to rest. So there's a commentary on the Rambam called the Magid Mishneh. And this commentary is, is a Rishon. He's one of the rabbis before the Shohan Aruch, a very, very authoritative book. And he writes over there that the Torah commands Tishbot, but the Torah gave the power to the rabbis to apply this law. And this is pretty much what we're saying till now. All this Shebut that we say things, oh, this is Shebut. Yes, it's treated as a Dirabanan, but they're not a normal Dirabanan. Because they're a Dirabanan that's really sourced from the Torah. Because the Torah wanted the rabbis to tell us in each generation how we rest on Shabbat. So therefore, these are the Halakhot of Mukseh. And the Halakhot of Mukseh, they're not the norm like in every Mukseh, in every other Halakhot Dirabanan. Oh, rabbis decreed on it. No. We'll tell you now a little bit of history. Guess what? Mukseh is really very old Gezerah. According to the Aruch HaShohan, Mukseh, you know how old Mukseh is? You know how old the Gezerot of Mukseh are? It's not something from the times of the Gemara. It's not only, you know, you look in Sefer Nehemiah, and the Gemara tells us in Masechet Shabbat, Nehemiah was in the times of Nehemiah. Again, this is Nehemiah who lived in the beginning. He was the one who helped build the second Beit HaMikdash. So he lived at that time. He made many things. It seems like Mukseh started from that time. No. Says Aruch HaShulchan, based on the Rambam, that the Gezerot of Mukseh, the Halachot of Mukseh, began from Har Sinai. I can't say such a thing. I'm telling you the Aruch HaShulchan, name of the Rambam. The Gezerot of Mukseh began from all the way back to Har Sinai, to when Moshe Rabbeinu came down. The Halachot, as we have them today, of Mukseh, that's how they were. However, what happened is, in Jewish history, when the Jewish people were expelled from Israel after the first 
the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash, and then they came back. It was 70 years. It was 70 years without Torah as we have it today, and a lot of them intermarried, and even a fraction of them came back, even those who came back, came back with their non-Jewish wives. So when they came back, and now they're sitting down, they're coming over here, they forgot a lot of the halachot, and all of a sudden, Nehemiah sees that on Shabbat, people are doing the regular work. They might not be doing melacha, but they're doing, they're using all their utensils and things. So Nehemiah, like we said before, he saw people buying and selling on Shabbat. He said, what's wrong? So Nehemiah went in that generation, they started decreeing, this is Asur. Oh yeah, okay, we're going to make this Asur, you can't touch it even. And you can't handle this item. And therefore, Mukseh started broadening. The things that became Mukseh, started increasing, increasing, increasing to the point the Gemara says they only allowed you to use a serving spoon and a certain dish. That's it. Anything else was mukseh. You cannot handle it on Shabbat. So because of that, so it seems like the Gemara is telling us, oh, mukseh is only as old Nehemiah. No, says Aruch Shulchan. Mukseh was really very old, but they only increased the Gizrod then. However, later on, when you saw the Jewish people became more learned and became more aware of Shabbat, and they gave Shabbat the proper respect. They came back to say, okay, you know what? We're giving Matir more and more things. Okay, now we're giving Matir this. Now we're going to permit this. And they kept on permitting whatever they were forbade until the laws of Muxay came back, reverted back to the way they were from the times of Hasinai and the way they are pretty much today. True, there are certain things that are debatable, of course, like in everything else. It's how to, the debate is between the Rishonim or the Haronim, how to apply the law. But the most of the halachot or the categories of Muqsay in general predate the times of the Gemara, predate the prophets. They go all the way back until the days of Moshe Rabbeinu from Har Sinai. So now, before we conclude this class, we'd just like to finish off with reasons why there was a need for Muqsay. Torah doesn't write it, but Torah says Tishbot. Which means you have to rest on Shabbat. Why the Hagami make such gezerot of Mukseh? You can't handle certain items. So we find a few reasons brought down in the Gemara. The Rabbad brings it. We find a few reasons that the Rambam himself also brings. And we'll give you over here four reasons based on the Rambam and the Rabbad. Number one is that you sh- it's a is a geder, it's a fence that you shouldn't come to carry. When you start handling things, you might eventually come to carry it from a private domain to a public domain, from Rishut Yahid to Rishut Rabim. So that's one one reason why there goes there Muqsayim. Once you can't handle it, you can't pick it up, so that's it. You're not going to come to carry it. Another reason, says the Rambam, we just quoted the Pasuk beforehand where the Nevi'im told you, you can't talk the same way on Shabbat like you're talking on a weekday. As we learned already, you can't read certain things, you can't tell people certain things, you can't say, I'm going to drive on Shabbat, I'm going to drive on Monday to New Jersey. Why? Because the Burcha B'Shabbat has to be different from the Burcha B'Hol. So says the Rambam, if the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you deal with things on Shabbat is going to be different to Kavahomer, what you handle is going to be different on Shabbat. We have to make it that it should look on Shabbat that you are resting. So therefore, that's another reason why Hachamim told us you have Mukseh and they brought the halakha of the Mukseh. Otherwise, you know what the person is going to do? It's a long Shabbat day. He'll go to his garage and move everything around. Why? Shabbat, I'm not, I'm not working. I'm not doing any melakha. So therefore, they made a lot of things Mukseh. A third reason we find why they made Mukseh, Asur, because very simple. When we allow you to handle it, you may come to do an Isur with it. Take a pen. A pen, we're going to learn, is Mukseh. 
If I allow you to hold a, a pen on Shabbat, if I allow you to just play with the pen, what might you do? You might come to write on Shabbat. And therefore, that's Asur. So as a gez, as a geder, as a fence, they told you don't even pick up the pen. And finally, the last reason is, and Rambam says, many people throughout the week don't have jobs. And therefore, they just walk around. And what's the difference between a regular weekday for them and Shabbat? The laws of Mukseh make it universal for everybody. Everybody's doing the same thing and therefore it's recognized that this is Shabbat, Tishbot. So although it doesn't say in the Torah what items to touch and not to touch, Tishbot tells us we all have to rest on Shabbat equally. Next week, Razat Hashem, we'll continue the laws of Mukseh. We'll go into the categories. And this class, Razat Hashem, will be aired on again tonight on, here on jradio.com at 11 p.m. We'd like to thank Nisim, Iran, and the whole J Radio staff for all the help. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week.